What is up, y'all? My name is Kristen. My name is Sarah. And welcome to the Red Rum and Red Wine Podcast. And we're back, y'all. A little late, albeit, but, uh, you know, we had some shitty situations going on, let's just say. So, <laughs> had to take some breaks. <laughs> Thankfully, it wasn't neither of us. So, I mean, don't worry about it. Our, our stomachs are fine. <laughs> Kristen got caught in a shitstorm. And I will not go into further detail. Welcome back. We hope y'all enjoyed. It is coming out like maybe a day or two late, and I do apologize, but we are getting those episodes out for y'all. So hope y'all enjoy. Hope y'all are tuning back in. And if y'all are new, thank you for tuning in. We are a true crime podcast, and you have hit us at the international series of our segment, at least for the time being, because I'm taking us to brazil yeah mm-hmm. we went to germany last time yeah yep and canada the time before that and now we are hitting brazil so i am Isn't talking brazil, about um facing some bad like hurricanes or something right now or Ooh. a bad hurricane maybe they are i'm sorry i'm blissfully so, unaware they had to cancel their carnival stuff oh. so our thoughts are with brazil yeah, the Google just told us that there were massive landslides and floodings that left at least 36 dead in the cities of Sao Sebastião and Bertioga, which were at least the two hardest hit. So thoughts and prayers out to those listeners in Brazil. That is honestly crazy. And I'm sorry for getting my only news source off of TikTok because I did not know about that. But with that being said, I will go ahead and get into today's case. Uh, Today I will be talking about what is said to be Brazilians' greatest known serial killer throughout their nation. And his name is Pedrino Rodriguez Filho, also known as the Pedrino Matador. This was very much so one of the more interesting cases that I've done from the standpoint of you may not look at this serial killer the same way that you may look at others, depending on how your justice philosophy goes. Pedrino Rodriguez Filho would be born out on a farm in Santa Rica dos Sapucai. I'm also sorry, this is based off in Brazil, and this is all in Portuguese. A lot of this has been translated through the work of Google, thank you Google, and through the work of like auto translation. So pronunciation out the window. I It's a beautiful <laughs> language, but I just may not be pronouncing it correctly. And I'm so sorry for that. He was born on June 17th of 1954, and this ranch is located just south of Minas Gerais. Pedrino, even before birth, was said to have an extremely hard life. When his mother was pregnant with him, his father said to not want either one of them, would savagely kick and beat his mother, and it would actually cause Pedrino to be born with a bruised skull. Mm -hmm. 
The couple still managed to have multiple kids though after this event. It was said by Case File that they would go on to have seven kids together though in one article that I found that was translated from Portuguese to English, so I'm not 100% sure if the numbers got translated correctly. He would tell someone that he had 13 siblings, 10 sisters, and three brothers. Uh, but regardless of how many kids they had, the relationship between his mother and father remained extremely toxic and abusive. And this was on both sides. Unfortunately, both of his parents were prone to kind of toxic behavior. His father was very much abusive and was known to kind of lash out when he had one too many drinks. And his mother was very much known as a religious woman throughout the town that was known to discipline, aka beat her children if they were to act out of line. This, along with his work environment, which Pedrino was said to work in a lot of butcher shops when he was younger, uh, really brought on by his grandfather, who was somewhat of like a father figure to him. I guess he worked in the shops and brought him into the work environment. And seeing, you know, the brutal slaying of these animals where they're animals' feelings weren't really taken into consideration the way that they were being slaughtered. And then his home life, it kind of created this very violent, very sinister home life for Padrino to grow up in. And though it is not excusable, it is kind of the reasoning that Padrino gives as to how he became the way that he was and how most serial killers end up becoming the way that they are. He would tell multiple people that his first urge to kill someone came at the age of 13. And it would be at this age of just 13 that when he was in an argument with his middle cousin that Padrinu had stolen a horse from the older cousin, the older cousin had kind of lashed out and retaliated, and then Padrinu decided that he was going to get his revenge when one day when they were working out in the field, Padrinu would throw his older cousin into the sugar cane press. Ooh. Padrinu did this believing that his cousin's entire body would fit into the press and he would basically, you know, mush be and pressed. die into the, be pressed <laughs> into the press. <laughs> Make me depressed, but yes. And... Thankfully, that was not the case. I'm not sure what arm it was, but one of his arms would end up getting caught into the press first. And when it reached the cousin's shoulder, his body would kind of get stuck. It would be from there that Padrino, not done with his attempt, would then try to shove his cousin's head into the press in order to try and finish the job. And when that did not work, he would then pick up a pair of shears and begin to stab his cousin in an attempt to try and cut him up and make him fit into the machine. Yeah, that's pretty uh, hefty for a 13-year-old. For a 13-year-old, I don't even know how you thought up of that. Well, and going back to, sorry, I should have like, said this before you but having a bad childhood and it turning you into a serial killer it's just one of those things that people have shitty childhoods all the time and don't turn out to be serial killers and that's a known fact but Mm -hmm. you know regardless if he had six or twelve siblings 
did any of them turn out to be like murderous he would state in an interview actually that a lot of them because he's like oh uh when the interviewer would ask padrino while he was in jail oh do a lot of your siblings visit you and padrino would go oh no they're all evangelical like they don't visit me like maybe one time my sister did when he was like in this high security prison which i'll get into but he was like no they rarely do i'm like yeah and Mm. i'm sure i believe he was the oldest too but that can also play into effect in certain ways um and you'll see it, it maybe does kind of make sense one thing that I'm not trying to say this in an attempt to forgive him, but one of the things that I think makes him easier to see in the eyes of, you know, looking at someone who's a serial killer is that he really does not like when people hurt children. He's one of those people that's like, oh, if you fuck with women or children, like you're going down. You're that's not allowed. You know, we kind of as I get into it, see his motives and you'll kind of see why I say he's so interesting. Oh, that's why and, I remember his nickname now. Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, Don't spoil gotcha. it for the audience I won't, I won't, now. <laughs> but yeah, this is uh, we'll, we'll come to see. There's some uh, very popular media that gets made after this guy. It's very full circle moment. Thankfully, Padrinu does not kill his cousin there are workers that hear the commotion going on and they come in and you know save the older cousin's life padrinu would spend a few days in jail but unfortunately the family heavily heavily relied on padrinu to make money to go into work and so there was no way that they were going to allow this child to stay in jail and so the family decided that they were not going to press charges on him and he would simply be let go. Uh, his wow. only punishment for this was that he would have to clean the sugarcane press that he pushed his cousin into. And case files said that it took him four weeks to do this. <gasps> oh my gosh. The smell. The smell after like a week. But you know, this twisted little button of his has been pushed. And now this murderous side of him has been awoken and he is really becoming enamored and liking this violent side that he has now seen in himself. And you'll see that barely a year after this occurs, at the age of 14, Padrino would walk up to the front of City Hall with his grandfather's shotgun. And when he arrived, he would raise the shotgun and shoot the vice mayor of Alphanas which is the location that they were in. I believe it was in the Minas Grias area. The reason that Padrino did this was because the mayor had fired his father, who was a school guard, from his position after he was accused of stealing snacks. Phil Ho's father had apparently not done this. It was the work of another guard and the mayor just flat out refused to listen to his father's pleas. Instead, he just you know, basically fired him without listening to him. And the family really struggled from this loss of income. It was said that the mother, Manuela, became the sole provider of the household and Padrino would basically see his mother cry every night because she was struggling to provide for their large family, no matter how many kids they had. And he turned all of his anger basically onto the mayor and this thief who, in his eyes, was the entire reason that his father got fired. 
And so he thought up this long plan. Case File does a very excellent episode on this case. If you are interested in finding out um, some like very intimate details about his life, he does go very much into more detail about certain aspects than I do. But he would take some time to really make out this well thought out plan that he is going to go and murder this mayor. And then it was said that after he murdered the mayor, he still did not feel any better about the situation. And so a month later, Pedrino would go to the school where the guard had worked and would ambush him at the school and actually kill him in retaliation for getting his father fired. Damn. It said that he would shoot the guard twice before covering him in boxes and then setting the room ablaze that he tried to hide him in. Shit. But one interesting thing that I did read in an article that I am not 100% sure is true, and that is going to be a big asterisk on all of the stories that I say. I kind of explain later on, but it is very hard to get solid a hundred percent evidence of what happened. A lot of these cases are going kind of based off of eyewitness accounts or off of, you know, stuff that the killer is saying himself, which as we learn may not always be the most reliable source. People that have researched this case definitely say that he killed more people than he was accused of murdering, but that he may not have killed the total amount that he brags about killing. So, okay, it's bad, but it may not be as horrid or as tragic as I'm stating, because a lot of these instances come from Padrino himself. Oh, like he's explaining like what happened and how he did it. Okay. Yep. Yep. And I, I'll um, I'll just say it now. Apparently, there's an autobiography that Padrino had written himself that Case File mentions, and I tried. I tried to find it. I really did. I don't know if there, it's like because he's Australian and I'm American and maybe the, our search engines are different or what, but I just could not seem to find the autobiography. That's where Case he got- Case File is Australian? Mm-hmm. Oh. He sounds Australian. I'm so sorry just, if he's not. I've never listened. I don't know. Yeah. Oh, he's got a good voice. Hi, Case File. I'm trying to be like you one day. <laughs> teach, teach me your ways. Yeah, he did a really, he did a very good segment on this. And in it, he says that he read uh, the autobiography that Padrino had written. And of course, you know, I would like to do the same. I, you know, fight with the ethicality of it, but that's a conversation for another day. Right. That's but just because like in certain countries, like they don't have like certain laws like that, you know, like here it's, you can't like profit off of murder at least not corporately and like there are just certain i don't know if they're laws or what but they're restrictive whatevers that like we can't access certain books that are like written in other countries yeah so i'm not a hundred percent sure if that's like the reason why i wasn't able to find it i don't i do know that there is one out there and like i said if you want to kind of get more of an idea of what was written go check out case files episode he does an amazing job i was able to find a really good outline and a lot of the information but he was just able to pull a bit more pieces together and i think it's that autobiography but what i did find in one of the articles was that the first guard that he that Padrino had initially killed may have not been the right one. And that when Padrino realized that he may have killed the wrong guard, that he went out and then killed the proper guard in order to quote unquote, right his mistake. 
realizing that Padrino has killed two people, he decides to go on the run in order to escape being arrested. He would flee to Mogi das Cruzes, and this is located in the greater Sao Paulo, where his godparents were said to have lived. One statistic that I found about the area was that 16% of their residents have actually killed someone. So this is just an area where it is known to be a little bit violent. It is known to have a lot of drug trafficking in this area. It's just not the best of areas. Probably human trafficking as well. I mean, Portugal, man. And I know they're in Brazil, but both areas. Mm -hmm. In conjunction. It's just said to be heavily violent. Mm. It was here that even though he was just, remember, a child, he was 14 years old, he would meet a widowed drug trafficker that was nicknamed Botina. And he began living with her and starting a sexual relationship with her. Uh, She was known to, you know, be very pretty. And she just so happened to be this widow of what was described to be kind of like a lord. I don't know if he was that high up, but he was pretty high up within the drug trafficking rings. So when she brings Pedrino, who is just this 14-year-old, in and, you know, starts sleeping with him and then starts giving him tasks to do, The older gentlemen that are working under her ranks are starting to get a little bit upset. The men that Padrino begins working with are like, why are you bringing a 14-year-old in my face? This is insulting. I'm a grown-ass man. Get the fuck out. And it becomes a little bit hard for people to take him seriously. I mean, obviously, he uh, was said to be very small just in general. You, I mean, he ages very great, like, in a great way. He looks great for his age is what I'm trying to say. But it's also just because, you know, his workout regimen is insane and he just has to stay fit because his main hobby, which is killing people, you know, requires him to stay physically fit. So you kind of see where, you know, he, kinda he's... Kind of cute. <laughs> Shh, you can't say that. <laughs> but yeah, you just see, you know, he's... Uh, he's a guy who works out a lot. He's a guy who is familiar. Yeah. But he was just 14 at the time, you know, and it was whatever. But anyways, so he's this 14 year old. He's going in trying to do all this stuff. And they're like, ah, come on, guy. No, we're not taking you seriously. So he's like, fine, cool. And it said that he eliminates three of his major rivals, which if you are in that kind of lifestyle, It's not an excuse, but it's just kind of how you make moves in that kind of lifestyle. I watched a season or two of The Sopranos, okay? I understand. (laughs) I understand the mob life. But that's uh, just basically what he had to do in order to get himself taken seriously. Does it make it right? No, it's just kind of, you know. So because he eliminates major rivals, he quickly becomes paranoid because that means he has people that are going to come after him. And it was not only his rivals that he had to be afraid of, but also the death squads that are said to roam Brazil, which if you are not familiar with what a death squad is, which do not feel bad because I did not really either, it is vigilante group of off-duty police officers and military 
or like ex-military that basically have the permission of the government to go in and do whatever they want, which includes killing drug dealers, vagrants, or even street children. It, whatever they do, it's excusable in the eyes of the government. They don't get punished by it. And it very much seems like the people of Brazil are afraid of and ran by these death squads that roam certain areas within their communities. And Padrino had very much every right to feel threatened by these death squads because it would be during a drug deal that he was having with Botina that he would be ambushed by police. I'm not sure if it was death squad or the actual police, but basically same thing either way you look at it. And there would be a major shootout that would occur. Botina would end up losing her life during this shootout, and Padrino was said to be badly wounded, but he would manage to escape. And it was here that he would flee and stay with some distant family. And it was while he was staying with distant family that he would meet Maria Aparacita Olympia and would quickly fall in love with her. This was... I'm not going to say a major love of his life because, you know, he very much just goes on to have very many relationships, some questionable. But it was just very much a girl that he, I think, at one point cared about in the moment in time. Right. Maybe I won't say that because he's still alive and he can hear me. But, <laughs> <laughs> you know, he, he loved her a lot. Uh, Maria would find herself very shortly after they met pregnant with Padrino's child, but unfortunately, Padrino would never be able to meet his unborn child because when Maria was just seven months pregnant, Padrino would walk into his house and find Maria shot to death. And unfortunately, Ooh. their unborn child did not make it out alive. This was very much an act of gang violence or like gang retaliation, revenge, if you would. This was someone clearly trying to get back at the wrongs that they felt Padrino had made against them. The killer had even used Maria's blood to write on the wall that we will get you. I mean, no matter who you are, even if you're like a serial killer, a murderer, whatever, like that is a shitty situation to walk into. That is just devastating. I mean, his whole life from the get has never been good. It's never, I feel like he's had maybe slight pockets of happiness, but not, when I say slight, like maybe in the span like of like months. a few months. <laughs> he's never seen years of happiness, you know, and that's something that is really sad to say. Again, it doesn't excuse it, but it just, you know, puts into perspective how some of these people live their lives. And it's just really wild when you think about it, because... Goddamn. He was even later, I'm not sure when after the incident, but he would end up getting Maria's name tattooed over one of his other tattoos that said, I kill for love. Mm -hmm. um, and then he had a tattoo on the other side, like his tattoo. If you see tattoos of him, he's heavily tatted. But he, it was said that he got Maria on his left arm under a quote that said, I kill for love. And then on his right arm, he had a tattoo that said, I kill for pleasure. And he very much says in very many interviews and 
all of these things that you see early on in his life that like she was the love of his life and this was very much a devastating moment for him and you can clearly see that because he do you know how old he was at this time because like last i heard he was 14 yeah he uh, i mean he was pretty young he is sent to jail when he is about to he went so he's sent to jail when he is 18 i believe um maybe she got killed when he was like 16 damn 17 i believe he was 16 when uh she was pregnant it's a little bit blurry there right. on the facts and the years, but I do, it's coming to me as like a fever dream that I read in some article that I believe he was 16. Okay. Yeah. Traumatic. And at 16, dude, Traumatic. I'm feeling such, that is like my twin flame at 16. You're going through such, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I understand love when you're older, but I just feel like it's not. It's not as intense as when you're 16, you know, to have something like that happen to you at that right. age. Right. Hmm. That that is an adverse childhood experience, my friend, along and with he, all the others he I, had. I'm like, it's like what you read in books, and he literally does exactly the, what a book would kind of play out. So yeah, he goes on a blind rampage and begins like murdering and torturing people, trying to look for her killers. So it takes him about a year in order to find it. He had a lot of enemies at this time because he had killed, it's not really said, but he's killed quite some people. Uh, By the time he's arrested, he brags like, oh, I've killed 100 people at this point. But like, it's a brag. He did not. I think by the time he's arrested, it's maybe he's killed like 30 something. So Mm. it's still a lot enough to make quite a few enemies enough for him to be confused he was like i have no idea where to start so he just kind of goes off on random spouts and it takes him about a year until one day he's in a pub i believe and then he he's somewhere and he gets a phone call and it's like hey this woman's looking for you he goes and meets up with this woman it happens to be the ex-wife of a drug dealer that he had dealt with years ago so he tried to buy drugs from this one guy he got bad vibes from him he's like oh he's really cheap and he's fucking mean i don't deal with people like that so he's like i'm gonna fucking rob him so (laughs) he robs him of all of his stash and then sells it to another dealer and obviously this guy is just like pissed so then he goes off and you know gets revenge and so his ex-wife meets pedrinu at this spot and she is scar like scarred and bruised up she's obviously been beaten by this man and pedrinu does not stand for that he does not like when i I don't know if she's innocent but just like when women are you know touched it's not cool And then she gives him exactly what he has been looking for when she says, and my ex-husband, who I believe his name was like China or something like that, was the one that killed Maria and your unborn child. And he was like, thank you. Hallelujah. Awesome. Turns around, finds out that China's brother is getting married the following week, gathers four of his friends. He's like, hey, we're going to crash this party. You don't hurt any of the women. You don't hurt any of the children. 
goes in, like knocks on the door. He's like, hey, we're the honored guest. We're the ones that you've been waiting for. Gets in, orders all of the women and children to go upstairs, and then begins it down. Oh, wow. It, uh, seven dead, 16 injured. One woman case file said was injured. It would end up being uh, the China's mom because she was trying to protect her son, obviously. And I think she ended up getting like shot in the hand. But Padrina was oh. like, well, she deserved it. I told her to go upstairs, you know. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Not right, me. but like. <laughs> Excusable. <laughs> Not like. It- it right, be like that. but right, yeah, like okay, yeah, makes it, sense. it'd be like that. <laughs> I mean, if I were him, <laughs> yeah, Jesus Christ, it's I'm one just of the... burying myself a grave. No, just wait, because there's one part where I'm like, yeah, and of course, it's bad. It's bad. <laughs> it doesn't make it excusable, kids, but sometimes, yeah, it makes it easier. Anyways, uh, Billy the kid. Same way. Well, not same way. He didn't like killing people. He didn't want to kill people. But sometimes he had to. Well, Pedrino very much loved killing people. <laughs> so <laughs> so like, not, not, not exactly the same. He, he just very much, um, he didn't want to hurt women, children, or family. I'm not going to, I'm not, he wasn't sexist, you know, if he were a good family man, he wasn't going to hurt you. He just wanted to hurt the assholes, the people that didn't, he didn't deserve it, but, you know, kind of deserved it. (laughs) What? Anyways, (laughs) by the age of 18, Pedrino had become a full-blown serial killer. It was said that by the age of 19, he had killed about 40 people. So very much more than your average serial killer, you would say. That's a lot. By this point, he had earned the nickname Padrino Matador, which is also, if you translate it, known as Killer PD. But Padrino Matador, or Killer PD, was far from done with his killing spree. The criminals within the area quickly put... Padrino Matador, amongst the ranks of the death squads that were Roman amongst him, he, the villains, quote unquote, I guess you would say, of the area were terrified. He would say it was during this time that he was, you know, roaming the streets, living about, that he was killing every day, and that if he did not kill that day, he would become really agitated. That's how I feel about having my coffee. (laughs) Me, if I don't get my cup of cappuccino. But unfortunately, his reign would end when, just before his 19th birthday, on May 24th of 1973, Pedrino would finally be caught when the father of these twins, the set of twins that he was dating, finally turned him yeah see yeah you heard me right yes yes he was (laughs) yes after maria was murdered he went and started a polyamorous relationship with some twins so yes he you know good for him mourn however you mourn however you want to mourn i'm not i'm not judging please you do not know where i live please don't (laughs) find me (laughs) but he he just went and he mourned how he wanted to and you know whatever fine but he definitely 
experimented with some twins and they began a polyamorous relationship. I'm sure the father probably wasn't happy. There are rumors going around town. And even though as I get into it, some people see him as a hero. Some people clearly do not. And regardless, violent. And you don't want one of your daughters dating like a violent kind of guy. But having both of your daughters dating the same Same. violent guy. (laughs) Same one for two mm. if i were if i were any father i mean yeah maybe not i i wouldn't be chill with it so when the father learned of pedrino's location one day he was like yeah okay called the cops oh hey you're looking for this guy yeah he's right here and so the cops go and arrest him wow even though it said you know by this point, he's, I don't know the exact number, 30-something, because by 19, it's said to be around 40. Maybe, it's just, it's all confusing. 30-ish murders gets charged for only 14. For these 14 murders that he gets charged with, and I think initially he was maybe charged with 18, and he just gets the guilty for 14. For okay. this, he gets 126 years in prison. Okay. He got upset in court about the number of murder charges that he had. He was like, it clearly should be more. It should be at least 100. (laughs) And that was the only thing that he really had to say about his murders. But other than that, he um, had an option because at this point, a lot of the people that he murdered have brothers, fathers, or friends that reside within the jail that he is about to go into. Uh. And so the prison is somewhat nice and they say, hey, would you like protection? Would you want to be isolated or would you rather go out and be willy nilly in general population? And Petrina goes, oh, no, 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 let me out. Let me roam free. (laughs) (laughs) And so they're like, okay. And so Petrina goes to, I am so sorry. Arara Karara. (laughs) Arara Karara. Penitentiary. Oh my god. How's it spelled? A R A R A Q U A R A. You cannot make fun of me. Arara I tried my Kirara. best. But you, the, the Spanish, it's not Spanish. The Portuguese is like a very, it's just different from the dialect that I'm used to trying with Spanish. So yeah. they don't ar the R's. It's the Arara Crara Penitentiary. I'm so sorry. Abracadabra. and let's just say that the conditions are not the greatest if you are not dying from the severely unsanitary conditions that are within this gym it said that a lot of people got tuberculosis and this one other thing that i'm not going to try and pronounce yeah sorry you said gym jail fuck instead of gym (laughs) Suck. I'm s- suck. Fuck. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sure there is a gym there. <laughs> suck. I'm sorry. <laughs> Fuck. I'm sorry. Suck. I'm suck. I'm sorry. <gasps> okay. The sanitation in this prison, it's not good. It's not anything that you, I think, could even imagine. 
And not only are you dealing with really unsanitary conditions, you are also dealing with just really violent inmates. prison mates. Yeah. You, it was said that um, the jail had regular decapitation or disembowelment going on in the courtyard. So as you can imagine, I'd be fucking shitting in my boots. And you very much, it was often said, had to join a gang in order to get any type of protection. Right. So find me with whichever one will accept me. Right. It's scary. It's very not the best <laughs> situation going on in there. Uh, yeah, no, I couldn't. I just, I. We couldn't, but Pedrino could. Right. Because, and of course, the stories are going to vary, but from what I read, he was trying to buy a knife from inside the prison, which is apparently really easy to do in Brazilian prisons, as well as like bringing women in, drugs. It's very much not what you would think of. A prison if you are from America or Canada or places maybe with prison systems not like this. So when he was trying to buy a knife, he would apparently be attacked by that guy and then four others would join in. And from here, somehow Padrino would end up fighting back and killing three of these guys and scared off the other two so bad that they quickly retreated or were so badly injured that they could not fight back. And after this happened, he became a namesake within the prison. He became known as a guy really not to mess with, or that if you did, he was really not going to hesitate to kill you. Yeah. Okay. End your shit. <laughs> he was, don't mess with him. Even simply being transferred to the prison, I'm not going to try and say that name again that he was brought into. He would be in a police van with two other inmates with two police officers up in the front. And by the time they made their way to the prison, parked and went over to the back door, as soon as they opened the door, they would find one of the inmates dead. And Padrino would simply say, oh, well, he was a rapist and he deserved it. Oh, shit. Okay. And that's how he justified pretty much all of his killings, which... I, spoiler alert, he does very many while in the prison, which he spends the majority of his adult life in. There was an instance that I read in an article where an inmate named Raimundau would be rumored to be extorting the family members of inmates. And when Padrinu found this out, he would throw him into what was translated to be an elevator moat. I don't know if maybe he threw him into an elevator and killed him or what, but his life was ended by Padrino because he was extorting the family members of the inmates. Hmm. Even his friends would not be safe from Padrino's somewhat twisted ethical ways. He was very much known within the prison community to protect certain men who he felt needed it. And so there was one man who was named Clau Zhu that he had grown really close to and began to protect. And when Clau Zhu had been brought up for parole, he kind of promised Padrinhu that he would 
let him or he would come back and help him escape and so when he promised this padrino was like okay here is my grandmother's address you can kind of reside here get your plan get your life together and we'll figure this out <laughs> like was grandma okay with this <laughs> i apparently because Klauju would go in become romantically involved with one of padrino's sisters um but maybe this wasn't the best of things because shortly thereafter one of padrino's brothers would actually i don't know what brought him to do this but during a fight would accuse Klauju of having a romantic relationship with Padrinu while he was in the jail this really insulted Klauju he became very angry it was pushed further when Padrinu's brother punched Klauju in the mouth and so in a rage Klauju would grab a gun and kind of blow it indiscriminately into the house or the crowd. I don't really know where they were. But unfortunately, even though he wasn't aiming, he would end up hitting Padrino's sister, the one that he was romantically involved with, and end up killing her. And it was also said that he injured one of her friends as well when he did this. Well, shit. Yep. And so he ends up getting arrested, getting sent back into prison with Pedrinu, who just found out that his sister had been murdered by Klauju, and Pedrinu would go up to Klauju and say, hey, don't worry about it. It's all fine and dandy. Is it, though? No, it wasn't, because then one day while Klauju was studying in his cell, Pedrinu would go up behind him and brutally decapitate him. Shit. You said there was a bunch of decapitations, which, depending, obviously, like you said, their system is different there, their jails, what you can get in and out or whatever. But, you know, me, I'm thinking of not the best knives. They're mostly shanks, and maybe people get their hands on nice knives. But I'm like, was it that easy to decapitate that many people? I guess so. Um. So... It was mentioned in one article that it was really easy, really, really easy to get contraband. And as I kind of later on describe, there are instances where prisons will take over guards, like prisoners will take over guards. They'll take their guns. If the guards have knives on them, perhaps they'll take that. Uh, I will say that case file, when case file described the instance of Padrinu getting attacked by five men, he was sleeping in a cell and he had just so happened to make a knife out of a spoon he sharpened a spoon into a knife that's a shank yeah Yeah. and that's what he used to kill the five men that attacked him there are i i would don't want to be like case i'm going to make it a little different so like there are a lot of varying stories into certain instances as to what happens because as we see this time in history it is solely based on eyewitness accounts so it's really hard to get a clear picture of what happened so a, a lot of it varies, but... Right, and it, so you said he's, like, in his 30s, so it's, like, in the 80s. Mm-hmm. Sorry, I'm just... I like a... I know, precise. perspective. This one is a little bit hard because it goes over such a long time span and involves so many 
victims where I'm so like I can I can't even really name that many names of victims even like right of the death of his friend that he made in revenge of his sister's murder he would say he was my friend but I had to kill him but it was often said of Padrinu that he one of his common things and I think it was something that maybe got him a little off was that he would befriend his enemies for weeks or sometimes even months before he finally would end up killing them. So he really liked to get their guard down. Wow. Before doing the deed. Uh, Not even his own father would be safe by the hands of Padrinu. Kind of obviously, if you couldn't tell from how he was treated in the childhood, but it would be even taken a step further when while in prison, he would be told by the prison director just the day after his mother had visited him with his grandmother that his mother had been brutally murdered after receiving 21 blows with a machete. Oh, shit. While in her sleep. What the fuck? And it was done at the hands of his father... Pedro Rodriguez Sr. Or Padrino Rodriguez Sr. Right, so they probably called Padrino Pedro too. Mm-hmm. Well, his name's Pedro, but they call him Padrino also. I don't know. It's, oh. it's all weird. It's all weird. Case file said Padrino. That's why I want to say Padrino too. <laughs> Case yeah. file, love me. <laughs> his father, Padrino... Rodriguez Sr. would be taken into custody for the murder of his wife. And I don't know what God is in existence, but by the oddest stroke of fate, after receiving a poisonous cake from his parental aunt, he would get sick and have to be moved to another prison. And when this happened, it just so happened to be the same prison that his father had been residing in. So Padrino Jr. ate the cake that his aunt poisoned? Mm-hmm. You'll see poisoned cake is very easy to come by in the jails. Okay. Mm-hmm. Though the father and son were locked in different sections of the prison, Padrino Jr. would find himself with yet another odd stroke of luck or rather maybe a forceful stroke of luck, when he pretended to act sick, managed to grab a gun off a guard, and then basically threatened his way into his father's cell. Oh, shit. <laughs> um, so when this happened, he would then brandish a knife and give his father 22 blows, one extra than his father gave his mother in an act of revenge. Shit. In 2021, he would actually appear on the Cora's De Flow Verso podcast and tell this podcast that I cut the tip of his heart and chewed it, and then I threw it on top of his body. <laughs> this is very much a famous story that is tied with Padrino Rodriguez Filho, but I will say... And I don't know if this is true, but I just got to throw it in. 
that in one Portuguese article, I read that while he was talking to a psychiatrist during a court-ordered evaluation, that he would tell the psychiatrist that his father had actually been murdered by family members of a mistress that his father had been seeing. He would quickly earn the nickname The Punisher, and this was after, based off uh, the comic book character that was going around during the time. And he basically went gallivanting along the Brazilian prison system, killing anyone that he deemed, quote-unquote, bad for society. Uh, That was really his thing. He thought anyone who harmed women, who harmed children, who was responsible for any wrongdoing, if uh, you were not anything above a family man, you know, you were really in his uh, line of sight. It would get a little erratic, though. Uh, His line of sight went a little haywire maybe towards the end. It would say that sometimes if someone looked at him wrong, if their face was off, or perhaps they were snoring too loudly, uh, this would definitely be an excuse as to why they were getting, you know, killed by him. Uh, There was one story that was given that was a rather bloody instance that Padrinu says happened while he was in prison. It has not been validated, but while with reporter Roberto Cabrini, he would state that after a transgendered inmate had spread lies about one of his friends that got him killed, Padrinu would go on a murderous rampage in the section of the prison that was known to hold transgendered cellmates and kill about 16 people. Jeez. He said that he had done so so violently that he had lost his hearing for three days after the fact due to the screams that occurred during that event. It is claimed in total that Padrinu Rodriguez Filho would kill 47 inmates that were residing within the prison system during his time here. It is extremely hard to verify due to this weird phenomenon that happened within the 1970s and probably affected very much Brazil after the fact and where many of their documents disappeared or whatever documents they did have were based solely off of eyewitness accounts. It was really just not the most reliable time for Brazil historically. It's really hard to confirm a lot of matters that happened. Really sucks, but... Yeah, I'm not surprised, but... Mm. This would bring his confirmed number of kills up to 71. And because of all of this violence that happened while he was in their prison system, he would be given an increased sentence of up to 400 years in prison. So, Hmm. was not getting out. Right. Or so we think. Right. (laughs) (laughs) The prison would desperately, desperately try to get him to stop killing its inmates. He would be transferred to about nine prisons in total, but no uh, no prison in Brazil really seemed to be a match for Padrino's murderous needs. It got so bad that in 1985, they decided to put him in max security prison called Taubait Rehabilitation Center, and this was 
a rehabilitation center meant for prisoners that did not fit in anywhere else in the system. They were so violent or so perhaps mentally ill that they could not be anywhere but be isolated and have these very limited amount of hours with other inmates in very high security surroundings. This would actually cause Padrino to stop killing for some time. Like I said, the prisoners were severely isolated. There were really rare instances where they were brought into main areas, even though they did experience times where they were with other inmates. But when that did happen, there would be a lot of people in that area protecting them, or at least like not protecting them, guarding them, I should say. He said during this time that he read a lot, he meditated, he got very much into religion like most inmates do during this time. And when he was not doing that, he would punch walls until I guess the guards got tired of that and gave him a sand sack to hit. I even read in one article how he did about a thousand push-ups a day in order to stay in shape. So damn, that's how he has all those muscles that he does. But of course, Padrino being Padrino, the matador, when he found one man, a plastic surgeon turned bank robber turned murderer named Josmani Ramos, he found his next victim. According to an interview with Ricardo Mendonca, he would explain how when Ramos had arrived, he had tried to rat out a boy who was trying to escape, and Padrino really did not like this, and so he became his next target. As revenge, there would be an instance in the small amount of time that they were able to be in a common area together that Padrino would approach Ramos, immediately punch him in the mouth, and then begin this violent attack on him, uh, trying to strangle him. I believe he like may have stomped on his throat or something. It was mm. very violent. Uh, but before Padrino could finish the act of killing him, guards would pull him off of Ramos. He claimed that Ramos would try to get back at him for this instance by giving him a piece of cake that was sent by a person named Teresa. And so he felt, Padrino felt safe enough to eat this. When he ate the cake, he immediately realized that his mouth was starting to bleed. And so realizing that he had consumed poison, he ate powdered milk in order to detoxify himself. And that worked? Apparently it did. Do not eat detoxified milk because you heard me say that it maybe detoxifies you. But it apparently worked for him. Mm. Also, this guy is a liar. Keep that in mind. True. He does not say the truth all the time. A lot of what I say is based off of his accounts. AKA case file. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) The prison system further trying to, you know, stop, protect the inmates that were within the prison um, would move Padrino again and this time move him into complete isolation. So from 1992 to 2002, he is completely isolated, but he does not stay isolated for long. There is a penal code that was created in 1940 by then President Gutiello Vargas that made the maximum prison sentence allotted in Brazil to be no longer than 30 years. 
This was done as somewhat of a joke, as the average lifespan at the time in Brazil during the 1940s was to be about 43 years old. And though the average lifespan has increased, officials have just really never changed that law. I did read somewhere that they may have bumped it up to 40 years, but, you know, it's still kind of insane to think about. (laughs) (laughs) I did find in my research, though, that in 2012, they did allow a reading program named Remy Cal Pella Lechora, or Redemption Through Reading, that allowed selected inmates to read a book once a month and be allowed to submit a review, in which, if they did this, they would be allowed to get four days taken off of their sentence. So... I kind of cool. I don't know. It's just something good. Fun fact. But since this penal code, I believe it is under Article 5, allotted for this 30-year maximum sentence, this meant that Padrinu would be released as early as 2003. Judges would quickly try to find any type of way to avoid this, and at the literal last moment, there was a judge that found a small loophole in which, since Pedro committed crimes after he had been sentenced, his original sentence, he could technically be kept in jail on those additional charges that he had committed after he had been put in jail. I'm so sorry. Did that make sense? Yeah. I mean, to yeah. me, and part of me, the that penal code mentioned being kept in the maxim, maximum security for the 40. So, like, couldn't he have just gone to a regular jail again for? Oh, no, I'm sorry. That's for any jail. That's, like, oh, okay. all Brazilian jails. You are not allowed more than a 30-year sentence based fun. on any kind of thing. Obviously, you can be charged 126 years for something like he did but you are not legally allowed to stay in a prison for more than 30 years no matter how many crimes you committed no matter what crime you committed back to back like it's just not allowed that's insane because they basically were like oh well no one lives past 43 everyone's gonna be dead since by then i mean even the average prison sentence during this time was like 15 years so even in Brazil during this time, living a full 30 years was kind of unheard of. So they were like, oh, no way. It's yeah. just not going to happen. Because, like, people are either dying by gang violence or dying by the unsanitary conditions that they're living in. So right. I guess they were just like, well, there's no really point in changing it because they just kill themselves anyways. <laughs> oh anyways, that's terrible to think about. But they find this charge and they're like, oh, well, sin- or, they find this loophole and they say, oh, well, since you committed murder after we charged you with that initial murder charge, we can now sentence you with this additional charge and it still be within the law because there was this tiny, tiny loophole that they found. So they charged him with an extra 14 years for all of the crimes that he had committed and he would not be set to be released until 2017. Now, Padrinu could have appealed this but like the 75% of other inmates that are residing within Brazilian prisons, he did not have a lawyer during this time. And so he had no idea that he could appeal this. But thankfully, when Padrinu found out, hey, 
you're getting charged an additional 14 years. You're not getting released today. He quickly got a lawyer. The lawyer sent in an, sent in an appeal. And within four years, I believe, in April 24th of 2007, after serving a total of 34 years, he would be released from prison. Oh, shit. And like I said... The average lifespan was about 15 years during this time, so him being released after 34 years, he was the first person to last that long in a Brazilian prison during that time. Shit. And probably to this day. I'm not 100% sure, but... Unfortunately, there are no re-socialization programs for inmates that are freshly out of prison or for prisoners that find themselves freshly released from jail. And the conditions in prison and the things that they need to do in order to survive, the gangs that they often have to join in order to protect themselves, many of these newly released people will find themselves reoffending. Padrina would state in an interview with Ricardo Mendoca that, quote, the jail doesn't recover anyone, friend. The guys leave angry. You learn something you didn't know, end quote. On September 15th of 2011, Padrinu would find himself one of the 70% of the inmates that reoffend when, at around 11 a.m., on a farm in Estrada, Geral dos Macacos, Padrinu would find himself on charges of mutiny and private imprisonment. So, as soon as he got released, police were looking for a reason to arrest him again. They did not really want him out. He was able to evade police for quite some time, but when police were finally alerted of his location, they would go arrest him at this farm. When they did so, they found a .38 revolver with him, which was in a huge violation of his parole, even though he said, you know, I'm doing this to protect myself. I have a lot of enemies that are clearly after me. They would use this to provide additional charges that they were already trying to charge him with. And for all these charges, he would be given an additional eight years. He would end up serving just six. And on December 6th of 2017, he would be released for a second time, this time at the age of 64. Damn. For many of the people in Brazil, they support him pretty much and see him as somewhat of a local hero. There was an instance where in 2000, Francisco de Assis Perea would be sentenced to 268 years in a Brazilian prison for the brutal rape and murder of 11 women in the area. He would be sentenced to Tubate, where Padrinu was a inmate at the time. And when an article went in and interviewed Padrinu and kind of asked, oh, how do you feel about living in a cell with this or li- living in a prison with this guy? Padrinu would admit, oh, you know, I I really want to kill this guy. It's not right what he did. He shouldn't be doing that to women and he should die for what he did. This interview went very viral within the area and a lot of people were like, hell yeah, dude, go ahead and do it. Kill this guy. Um, Obviously, the prison guard ward, the prison leader or the prison ward, you know, got word of this and was like, we're not going to let this happen. But Brazilian prisons being Brazilian prisons, there was an instance where prison inmates took over and they ended up taking a lot of hostages. And it was at this time that the 
park maniac kind of went missing and everyone was like oh my god padrino actually killed him like that's so amazing but then after the riot was over and everything kind of settled they found him, the park maniac alive and padrino would state you know i thought about killing him but there was no way that i could i was too busy protecting these hostages and it really made the public mad but what i think some people may have not realized is that when the hostages were taken there were four children that were taken as hostages during this incident incident and so padrino i think being very much who he was and not wanting children or women to be harmed wanted to make sure that these children i'm not sure for how long they were held hostage i know at certain points people were released but he was just stating for the most part he wanted to make sure that all of the hostages weren't harmed and that he simply didn't have the time to run off and go kill the park maniac but this actually made several citizens of brazil very mad and they were like why didn't you and it was kind of like this whole riot thing which is really kind of mind-blowing to just think about but you have to also think of it in the mindset of like this is a population that is dealing with 10 percent of their homicide cases getting solved Ten yeah. percent. Sorry, why were there children there? Maybe visiting. Maybe I don't know. Shit is crazy during this time. Damn. Women are allowed in. I don't know if families are allowed in. It's just I don't know why, but they said four children were taken hostage. So I could very much see him wanting to make sure that nothing happens to you know right. those children. It's believed that he has over 100 victims in total, but what we are able to account for and what has been confirmed was 71. And like I had mentioned earlier, a lot of people state that they do not believe that he has killed 100, but they definitely do believe that it is over the 71 mark, which is still, oh my God, horrifying. The majority of deaths that Padrino would cause would be by stabbing his victims mostly in the abdomen but there were said that there would be other instances in which he would have to break their neck it was said about 10 deaths were caused that way after his life in crime and around 40 years in prison the now 64 or then 64 he's like probably 66 by now i don't know someone do the math real quick i don't have a calculator but this, in his 60s year old, uh, Padrino Rodriguez Filho would very much like us start his own YouTube channel and huh. begin to discuss true crime cases. And huh. he would also speak on how it is not okay to kill people. Oh. He would state, <laughs> I'm not laughing, he would state that crime, that quote, Crime is no joke. Many are coming in because they see the branches, the branches being fame and man, fame and money, and not the root, the root being prison and death. It's like the devil. Give it with one hand and take it off with another. There are many young people who come in and when they want to leave, it's already too late. He has since covered a majority of his tattoos, including replacing Maria's name with a feather. 
he would also replace a tattoo that stated revenge with the word love. And he would also replace his tattoo, I kill for pleasure, with a scorpion. He is also said to be working with director Bruno Santana in order to make a documentary about his life. In an article that I read, Santana states, you know, Padrinu comes, he sleeps here at my production company, and I'm calm. I leave my sword next to him. There is an actress and production assistant involved with the making of the documentary named Andrina Dos Santos that states, he's like a child wanting to live again, and very much describes him as a father figure, or at least father affectionate figure during this time. He has also released an autobiography, which I have said I have tried to look for and I cannot find. It is named Padrino Matador. Uh, if you want more on this, Case File did an amazing episode, like I've been saying. Um, but also, if someone knows where to find it, maybe let me know. But I also don't want to pay for it. I don't know. I feel so weird about that. Anyways, it's very much implied. If you can finally now guess it, that the very infamous series, Dexter, was inspired by none other than Padrino himself when this TV show was made about a character vigilante hiding in the police labs and killing people who he thought deserved it. When asked if he would kill again, Padrino would simply reply, no. I would only kill again if someone came to take my life or the lives of people I love who are my family. Wow. Yep. Very, yeah, very, <laughs> very mixed feelings. Uh, like, I will never feel this way about a serial killer again, I don't think. Like, maybe I will. Sure, probably, love what you're doing, but still, you're killing it's not a right. lot of people. A lot. And I, I myself, think... I'm not familiar with the Brazilian justice system, but it sounds kind of fucked. Very uh, they don't much have life so. sentences or the death penalty, so people who do really fucked up things don't get true justice or tr- get what they deserve as Mm-mm. far as justice goes. And well, so, it's hearing very... how the prisons are, it's like maybe they do a little bit, but still, 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 it's insane. The I ten percent, ten percent of all homicides are solved. That is a very terrifying and very sad reality for the people of Brazil. And that just shouldn't, should not. And the amount of, you know, cops that are switched, that aren't good, the amount of guards that they're able to pay off within these prison systems. I could literally just do an episode about the prison system within Brazil. It's literally insane. There were also a lot of serial killers that were mentioned in here that I had not heard about before that is also insane to read about. I mean, it's... He kills some bad people, which you're like, yeah, you know, maybe I could see that as being okay, but then it's it's not it's not okay. It's right. Not, <laughs> no, it, it's not It's okay. insane. Um, it's not... You know like, what? At I the like, end of the day, I we just to have to admit, tell ourselves it's not okay. I, I don't like... I don't fully appreciate... But I see where maybe the locals are coming from when they liked his 
style of murder. They have no one to protect murdered. them. Yeah, I mean so that I, was I get that it. was their knight in shining armor because you probably have really heinous crimes that are going on. You know who did it, and the police either do not care or they're just not going to try and arrest them. So you finally have someone who hears about it, is willing to kill them. I could definitely see a population. Oh, yeah. Hi, like, you know, riding behind their back and being like, fuck yeah, go for it. Because they, it's just, does it make it right? No, it doesn't. But it, it you know, I can't see I'm blind. <laughs> I just like, no. I'm, I'm just not going to look. Is that another TikTok song? It is another TikTok reference that you're not going to get. God damn it, Sarah. Watch some TikTok every now and again. I'm Anyways. scared. It's okay. It's good for your brain to not do it. Please don't become like me. But, yeah, you just, you turn side eye. You don't, you know, say anything. And you just be a good person and he won't kill you. So, it's like, we love Dexter. We watched that yeah. shit and we accepted it every I kinda season. I kind of want to rewatch it. Uh, it made me want to rewatch it too, you know? It's just fuck. Anyways, hope you all enjoyed. Like, comment, subscribe. Yay, Always thank helps you. At mm-hmm. R-A-R-W podcast. Gonna try and find ways to make me a better person because why am i agreeing with the serial killer <laughs> send us an email if you have a case that you want us to talk about it really helps us out you know case wise red rum and red wine podcast at gmail.com and until next time guys don't agree with the serial killer it's not good for your mental health bye, bye. <laughs>